Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I'm Tim, and I'm joined today by the very distinguished and honorable um, Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Charles? Well, to me, it's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. And what else would I rather be than sitting in here in your office doing a podcast? Yes, yes, I know. We're, we have uh, very little to do in our lives. Actually, we're doing our, we're, we're both working today uh, to help with the summer youth program. So we are doing our, we're really doing the Lord's work. We are today. doing, We're do, our reward will be in heaven. It will be in heaven. And uh, we will, uh, so we're here helping out these people. Now, you notice the two people not here today. Uh, I do. I'm looking across the table, and I do not see young Brittany, and I do not hear the brown-eyed devil's loud yapper over here, so. Well, you know, young Brittany is probably, she's probably hungover from last night, of course. Oh, the poor girl, probably. She's probably waking up right now wondering where where the hell she at. Yeah, she probably just, you know, she probably just got in a couple hours ago. No, that's probably true, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Young Brandy is on vacation. Brown High De- uh, Brown Hair and Devil's on vacation. I, I imagine she's do- playing video games and smoking weed. She does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, today um, we're going to uh, talk about um, George Remus, who is the known who was known as the King of the Bootleggers during Prohibition. Um, George Remus had a, a local connection. Uh, we, Colonel and I are podcasting from Cincinnati, Ohio, and George Remus um, had his operation here, so he's kind of a local... Um, uh, he's a local legend. Local yeah. legend, and uh, but also he's pretty well known. He's uh, actually the uh, considered to be the inspiration for, uh, for Jay Gatsby of, the, uh, of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's uh, great book, The Great Gatsby. Uh, it was uh, supposedly based on uh, George Remus. Uh, George Remus' character also appears in the HBO series Boardwalk Empire, which is a cool show if you've ever seen that. So, um, well, and there's also uh, there's it's been said that uh, Michael Corleone in The Godfather, um, part of his demeanor and attitude, his his opposition to. Uh, you know, just wholesale violence and, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And viewing this as a business, 
um, was kind of modeled after the way Remus thought. Yeah, George Remus was, uh, he, I mean, he uh, was an, uh, uh, an excellent businessman. And uh, he, uh, although he was not, uh, although he ran an illegal operation, he came into it from, uh, f- from uh, uh, the business sector. So he was, uh, he was an attorney. He had run a small business. And uh, so he wasn't your typical uh, mobster in a sense, but uh, he saw an opportunity, a, a need, and sought to fill it. George Remus uh, was born on November 14, 1874, in, in Germany. And his family migrated uh, to the United States and lived in Chicago when uh, Remus was five years old. Uh, at age 14, George uh, supported the family by uh, working at a pharmacy uh, because his father was disabled and unable to work. Uh, By the age of 19, uh, young George Remus had already bought the pharmacy. So uh, now this was back in the days when you didn't have to have an advanced degree to be a pharmacist. So uh, this is, uh, you know, back in the turn of the century. Uh, So... Uh, within uh, five years of buying the drugstore, so around age 24, he bought another drugstore, uh, another pharmacy. So he was doing pretty well for a young man of uh, 24. Uh, but he kind of got bored with the pharmacy business and decided he wanted to become a lawyer. Uh, at that point, he attended the Illinois, Chicago, Illinois College of Law, and he was admitted to the Illinois Bar in 1904. Um, he specialized in criminal defense, especially murder, and uh, became pretty well known. Uh, became a pretty well-established attorney in Chicago and uh, pretty famous. And by 1920, he was earning fifty thousand dollars a year. So that was a bunch of money back in a lot of money, money back in uh, 1920. Sure. Uh, that's three times what the what the county paying us to be here. So, <laughs> yeah, almost. in today's money. In today's money. So Remus uh, divorced uh, div- was divorced from his first wife after she had an affair with his legal secretary. Uh, I'm assuming it was a male secretary, but I don't know. We'll just assume that. Um, then he married uh, young Augusta Imogene Brown. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Imogene Brown Holmes. Uh, that was his second wife, and um, so they had pretty good, making pretty good dough in Chicago, making fifty grand a year as a defense attorney. Life was good, um, but in 1920, January 17th, 1920, um, the 18th Amendment went into effect to ratify. It was or it was ratified. And um, that, of course, outlawed um, alcohol. It was uh, era prohibition. It started in January of 1920. And um, within a few months, uh, Remus, as a defense attorney, was seeing his clients really becoming wealthy overnight. He was seeing um, his clients making uh, money hand hand over fist. And... um, you know, he was, you know, was thinking, well, you know, if they're doing this, they're getting rich off this, maybe I need to get involved in this. Um, so he, he became um, very familiar, as most of his clients were uh, involved in uh, uh, bootlegging. He became very familiar with the Volstead Act, 
Which uh, is a, and actually, the Volstead Act and the 18th Amendment are one and the same. Correct. It's, the Volstead Act is what was written and turned out to be the 18th Amendment. Yes. And um, there were some loopholes in the Volstead Act. Um, it uh, it didn't it it, it pro uh, there was prohibition against alcohol across the board, but there were some exceptions, right, Colonel? And um, well, you could still use it for medicinal purposes. You could you could uh, pharmacies could be ba- uh, bonded to sell liquor uh, for medicinal purposes. You know, sort of like today we talk about uh, medicinal marijuana. Well, there was some medicinal. Um, uses for alcohol and pharmacists could be bonded. Now, remember, Remus started his you know started his career as a young man uh, running a pharmacy, so that's what he does. He he opens up pharmacies in, again and starts selling um, liquor uh, for medicinal purposes. Um, and of course, he's you know, someone comes in with a bad cough, he was able well, to. Well, much like Granny Clampett. If you're yeah. over Granny Clampett, Granny Clampett used to have to take a nip for medicinal purposes. She did, she did, she did. And uh, so, um, of course, that was a, a rouge, but he was able to sell alcohol legally and in certain quantities. But he was running into some problems in Chicago because, of course, Chicago was a hotbed for bootlegging, and you had the uh, Capone gang and uh, uh, Frank Nitti. You had all the uh, established um, gangsters up there running the town, and even Remus's own employees would hijack his uh, his liquor and sell it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, even you know, a, yeah, I mean, you can't trust anyone these days. And, and here's a here's kind of an interesting holdover from the Prohibition Act. Um, with the medicinal thing, mm-hmm. um, when the Volstead Act went into uh, into effect, Walgreens, Walgreens had twenty retail stores in the country. Mm-hmm. That was in nineteen twenty. Mm-hmm. In nineteen thirty, they have four hundred stores. So <laughs> Wall Street Walgreens was built on medicinal whiskey. <laughs> so uh, Sam Watton was trying to fill that need as well, I guess. No, Walgreens. Oh, Walgreens. Walgreens. But aren't they and part the of lunch counters and? Oh, I thought they were part of the Walmart family, though. You know, we're gonna have to look that up because I did not believe they were. Uh, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Maybe uh, maybe I was wrong. So anyway, uh, Remus. Anyway, his, he's getting ripped off by everyone. He's getting threatened by the uh, Capone and all the uh, mobsters in Chicago. Even his own employees are ripping him off. So he says, you know, okay, I'll let them have this market. So Remus decides to move to Cincinnati, and in the in uh, in, in this region, uh, we're in Cincinnati, uh, Colonel and I. In this region at the time uh, is where eighty percent of America's bonded whiskey was located. Uh, so he moved here and bought up uh, most of the whiskey manufacturers and, uh, you know, he said, heck, I'm not just going to um, buy whiskey uh, and have it uh, hijacked. I'll just uh, start um, making it myself. So uh, he opens up the distillery. And in less than three years from when he moved to Cincinnati, he made $40 million. And that's $40 million in 1920. Uh, money, so you can imagine how much that is today. Um, but he owned one of the, uh, America's most famous distilleries uh, called the Fleshman's Distillery, uh, which he bought for one hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars, which was you know a lot of bucks back in the day. 
uh, and which, but that included 3,100 gallons of whiskey. Uh, so he opens up, he buys this distillery, and as I said, turns that $197,000 investment into $40 million in three years. So he was doing quite well. Um, to me, it just, I don't want to interrupt you here, but mm-hmm. I, it, it made me curious what you said about the Walton, so I looked it up real quick. Mm-hmm. We, got the, we got the World Wide Web here in the studio. You got Mr. Google. We got Mr. Google, and uh, it was Charles Walgreen, mm-hmm. um, and he, uh, he, he went from, um, it ended up by the end of Prohibition, started with 20 stores. Mm-hmm. By the end of Prohibition, this man had put together 525 stores. Wow. He is also the man who introduced the milkshake. Really? Yeah, and and is wow. and thank now, him for that. He was a druggist. He was a druggist, mm-hmm. just like Remus. And his father, Charles Walgreen, uh, made a comment. He he was worried about fires all the time. Uh huh. And he and they would have small fires because there was brewing whiskey and they sure. had no whiskey. And he said. You know, when I went, when we have fires here, I want the fire department to get in and out as fast as possible, because any time they came in, we lost cases of liquor out the back. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. But so, well, that's but, good. I didn't know. I, and we're I talking about thought. whiskey, um, but rum, gin, brandy, mm-hmm. um, they were all uh, they were all legal. You know, for different ailments. Yeah. If you had one ailment, you could get you some vodka. If you had another one, you could get you some rum. If you could add another one. So, you know, it wasn't just whiskey. And it's, uh, these, this was the days before you needed a prescription. So, I mean, you could just come in and say your, um, you know, your bursitis is acting up. Yeah. Give me a bottle of rum. So, yeah, and there's a quote in uh, in the Great, Gat- Great Gatsby, um, Daisy Buchanan, for those who read it, said, they're talking about Gatsby, how he got his money. He said, mm-hmm. well, he owned some drug stores, a lot of drug stores. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, you know, you wonder if that's how it's going to, you know, how the um, when, when, as I think it's a matter of when, uh, marijuana is finally legalized, at least here. I know it's in, legalized in three states now. How, if it'll roll out to pharmacies like that. I, it's, it probably will. I, what you're going to see is just like this. Uh, you know, I think Ohio, they have maybe just a few people that can get licenses to grow it. Yeah. Um, you know, so you have, I, I believe we're going to see it legal here in Ohio when it gets on the ballot. It's going to be on the ballot in 2015. There's three different measures. One is um, to have a limit. One is going to have a, a limited number of manufacturers um, or distributors, and uh, that's on about 2015. There's two others uh, initiatives that would open it up to other distributors, but the, they're holding off, I think, till 2016. And and here, what we're seeing locally is um, Ohio is not really the perfect region to grow marijuana. Now, Kentucky. Right Mar- Kentucky is marijuana. Marijuana is their number one cash crop. Right. Um, tobacco. Mar- you got marijuana, then tobacco. Um, but what you're starting to see here in Ohio, there are a lot of small businesses popping up, the hydroponics businesses. And mm-hmm. right now what they're growing are spices, herbs, um, things like that. They take a sell. Legit- these are legitimate places. 
And I'm not saying they have an eye toward the future. But the future is going to be in hydroponic marijuana. Yeah. Because eventually you're going to have damn near every state legalize it. Right. And, yeah, you're going to have to because otherwise the states are not going to lose revenue to their neighbor. It was just like casinos. But the... um, the weird thing about Ohio is that they, they got on a ballot uh, for legalization of personal use and also legalization of, for medical marijuana. And I was thinking, why, why would you need medical marijuana if you have personal use? But I guess I'm guessing it's for uh, insurance, insurance coverage. Yeah, and, insurance and, and what will be what's going to be sweeter, Timmy? What will be sweeter? And 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 the colonel, you know, the colonel will clean though. Right. I, I live clean. You live a clean life. I do not pollute the temple that the Lord has provided me. You do not. I, I will vouch for that. You don't. You don't even drink. You don't I do drink, not even. Drink I don't. Know. Unlike Brittany. Unlike Brittany and Brandy. They, the, they've been known to tip the bottle. Oh, poor Brittany. Her. She came in here the other day, elbow all swollen <laughs> up for tipping the bottle back so much. Yeah, she's pickled sometimes. <laughs> pickled is the right word, Timmy. <laughs> okay. Well, but okay. she. Uh, but yeah, what is going to be sweeter than walking up to the to the Kroger mm-hmm. and saying, "I need my uh, I need my two ounce bottle or my one ounce bottle or the Panama Red," <laughs> and giving them your benefit card and swiping <laughs> it through and paying it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it ain't like the old days when you had to meet Spider Man oh, in the building. Man, and, you, you think know. conservatives are screaming about yeah. Obamacare now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just going to be the most because you know everybody going to be up in that. Up oh in the, yeah, yeah. I, oh my how God. much can I put into my medical savings account? Because <laughs> I got, I've been having these headaches and and my my poor kids. I know they got allergies, and all yeah. of a sudden the allergies are going to get far worse. Well, I mean, in the med, in medical, med, you know, doctors and medical community stand to make a fortune as well. Okay, so anyway, back to Remus. I'm sorry, we got yeah, we did get off on a little sidetrack. But but the interesting in Ohio has three initiatives in 2015. Uh, two of them have backed out and said they're going to wait till 2016 because yeah. they don't think the, the the electorate for the midterm election is the right electorate for their right. calls. So we'll see how that goes. But I think eventually it's going to pass and we're going to see the prohibition against marijuana handed. But let's get back to George Remus and. Uh, the money he's making hand over fist, as I said, he made forty million dollars in three years. Um, so uh, he's he was a good businessman. He saw a need and um, he's meeting a need, and he was able to do it pretty much legally. Um, and, but he does run into some legal problems in just a bit. But. Uh, he was very well liked in the Cincinnati community. He served uh, since his businesses served obviously would be very well liked by most people. His, his community he served Cincinnati as well as Newport, Kentucky. Now that is clo- closer to my neck of the woods. Um, Newport in the nineteen in that era in the nineteen twenties and thirties was a wild little town. Um, they had casinos and they had a lot of prostitution. So he served all the clubs in in the Newport area. Um, you know, people think of Cincinnati as being a very conservative city, which it is. But um, we just go across the river to send. Oh, much and actually, that's what they called um, 
Newport. They called it Sin City. Yeah, Sin City. It was a little Chicago. It was a. It was a. But it's directly for those of you who are not from the area. It's directly across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. It's five minutes away. Yeah, it's just across a bridge, and it's. Um, yeah. Yep. It's a. It, it had quite the reputation. And the funny thing about Newport, and not to get too sidetracked, but Newport. Uh, you know, it took years to clean up Newport and get organized crime out of Newport uh, because they wanted to attract a more family-oriented um, uh, tourists and people to live there. And now they give tours. Now what they do is uh, promote Newport's past and give tours yeah. to all the gangsters. The gangsters <laughs> yeah. and, and one of the most, and, and we got to get back to this, but it, it plays a big role in it because we had a law and order sheriff. He was in Untouchable, George Raderman. Yes, yes. If you remember him, and yeah. they ended up drugging him, um, taking pictures of him with a woman, yeah. and then blackmailing him. Yeah, we have to do a history and of Newport. And he did something. not, uh, he just said, screw you. Yeah. Show the pictures. Yeah. I, because you drugged me and put me with that woman. Yeah. You showed the pictures. Everybody's going to believe me, and everybody believed him. Yeah. And, the, uh, you know, he cleaned up Newport. You know, you say that's a good thing or a bad thing. I kind of think it would have been fun to have around. It seemed like it was a while. It's still a little wild old town, but not nearly like it used to be. But also, um, Newport is a home of the fella who, uh, Mr. Thompson, who invented the Thompson machine Thompson gun. Thompson machine gun. Yeah. yeah. So, a lot of history there. But anyway, back to George Remus. He served, as I said, all the drinking establishments in the uh, Cincinnati community and uh, nearby Newport. Um, one of his uh, distilleries, uh, he had several distilleries um, uh, just in Cincinnati. Um and it was kind of neat how they had it. It was a, a building. It was in a home. It was uh, the it was an the distillery was in the alcohol was in the attic of this home on Queen City Avenue. For you, those of you familiar with Cincinnati, it's the west side of town near uh, the Colonel's neck of the woods, his stomping ground. Um, but the basement had a trap door, and they would use a dumb waiter to lower yeah. uh, the alcohol down, and uh, along, and it'll go down into a tunnel where there'd be a waiting car who would uh, the bootleggers would be down in the in the tunnel, and the, the they would lower this down. It was a hundred feet long, and it went six feet under the earth. This trap door with this dumb waiter, and they would lower the alcohol down, and the bootleggers would uh, get it safely. And it's never, it was never busted. That that location was never uh, busted in the, by the local authorities. So um, uh, it was a pretty sweet setup. Um, in uh, there was a shootout in 1920, a raid of hijackers. Uh, uh, led by one of uh, led by uh, some of uh, disgruntled employees by Remus um, attacked um, one of Remus's armed guards, John Geeman, and uh, there was a lot of shots fired and there was people wounded in the attack. Um, in addition, uh, he became known as I said the King of Bootleggers. Um, he was very well liked in the community. He would have these lavish parties in his home. Um, and uh, he in 1923 he had a birthday parties for his wife Imogene, uh, and apparently she appeared in a very daring uh, bathing suit at the time. Uh, and uh, they, I mean, they had uh, dancers and they had an orchestra, 15 piece orchestra. I mean, it was a big deal. Um, he gave prizes away to people who attended his parties. He gave. Uh, 
um, at this new uh, once at a New Year's Eve party in 1922, he invited a hundred couples, the most prestigious families in the Cincinnati area, and as parting guests, he presented all the men with diamond watches and gave each uh, of their wives a brand new car. So I mean, he he was like burning money, and he just he was just wealthy beyond all reason. <clears throat> Uh, one of the one of the things I find interesting about Remus too is that if you look through old pictures of him, mm-hmm. depending on the picture, the man looks like he could look like Al Capone, yeah, or he could look like a senator, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was not a he was an educated man, mm-hmm. um, but he looked like he could be a rough man if he needed to be. Yeah, he does. You're you're right. He he does have that whole gangster persona look to him. Well, he was uh, a big, bulky man. I yeah, mean, he, was, he was. He wasn't a fat man. He just looked like he had a little bit of look like Al, Al Capone. Mm, just yeah. a solid, you know. Yeah, he's. Uh, but then you see him with his top hat and his suit and everything yeah. else, and and the man looks like he could be he could be the ambassador yeah. to Switzerland. Yeah, and and you know, there's I'm I'm sure there was some you know he had to use some muscle. Uh, Within that sort of business, but there's no real record of him. Uh, you know, you know, you don't see things well, like he it. had a Peter. He had a partner, Peter Schmidt, mm-hmm. um, started out as a truck driver with him, and he uh, he now George Remus was fairly insulated from from what we call a mafia organized crime. Hell, he was a one man organized crime unit himself, mm-hmm. but. Um, now, Peter Schmidt was not his partner, but he was a close associate. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Schmidt, hell, Peter Schmidt shot a policeman, did time in prison. So Peter Schmidt was a man who kind of uh, kind of oversaw security for George Remus, and it kept him insulated, and Remus didn't really have anything to... He never had to give thought to it because Peter Schmidt um, was the yeah. one who took care of this. And, and, was, and, and you are talking Cincinnati, so, I mean, it's not Chicago, it's not... It's not New York where they got all these a lot of rival gangs. No, but you did have at one point um, the Cleveland um, mafia mm-hmm. um, started seeing how much money Youngstown. was being made yeah. here, and they they started to kind of wanted kind of and they just didn't feel like well, although they did business with um, with his partner, but they did not really want to go all out because Cincinnati is is a very Cincinnati is a very strange place as you just said you know it's okay for one of our local people to be the biggest bootlegger in the world mm-hmm. but you mafia guys come down from Cleveland and we're going to lock your ass up right i mean so yeah. that it's that worked clickish. in his favor too yeah. yeah it was very clickish and very enclosed so yeah but um eventually um the authorities, uh, the Bureau of Investigation, does catch up with um, with George Remus, and uh, he's brought up on um, uh, charges of violating the Volstead Act. Well, and and his, you know, Remus is probably, you know, what his problem was, Timmy. He was too good a businessman. Yeah, apparently. he was too good a businessman. He, he, they did not get him like they did Al Capone. He mm-hmm. now one of the things that Remus made sure he did all the time. Pay his taxes. Pay his taxes. He's a good man. But one of the things, his downfall was his meticulous bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't meticulous about where his whiskey was going because he knew not to be dumb enough to do that. Right. What he was meticulous about doing was because he was paying his taxes, mm-hmm. 
when he would buy his ingredients and buy what he needed to make whiskey, he kept meticulous records of it. So now you, so what? What they did when, and he was convicted, literally not convicted. He was in 1925. This guy's indicted for thousands, literally thousands of violations of the Volstead Act. And how he got by, how he got caught with this was because he's got he's showing supplies, mm-hmm. and he's buying enough supplies to say, and I'm throwing out a number. To make a hundred thousand gallons of whiskey, right? There were the the exemptions for the pharmacists. They 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 were limited. It was like you could they have limited. You could have you could sell so much, or you could be in possession yeah. of so much. And that's why, yeah, you could be in possession of so much. You could sell so much. And he reported everything he sold and paid mm-hmm. taxes. Now, of course, he didn't report what he was doing on the bootlegging side, right? And they could show that. Hold on here, Mr. Remus. You're buying, you know, if you, what you're doing is you're telling us you you, you came over here to Costco and bought 38 uh, pizza doughs. Right. And then at the end of the year, you're telling us you sold three pizzas. Right. So, <laughs> and you're paying your taxes on those three pizzas. Yeah. No problem there. And that's how they caught him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was his bookkeeping. So he, you know, hell, he went, he went, he goes to court, and we'll talk again. We're talking about, Thousands of violations. Yeah. Now remember, George Remus is an attorney himself. Yeah, so. and he defended himself. Yeah, um, he uh, and so he defends himself. But they find him guilty in about two hours. I mean, it was open yeah. and short yeah. case. And for these thousands of violations uh, that he got convicted, I think he only got convicted of about six or seven. Mm-hmm. I believe. Um, maybe probably because the jury just didn't want to sit there that long and vote on each one. Right. Um, he got a two-year federal sentence. Yeah, which um, was pretty much if you're making forty million dollars, that, that's two a years, pretty easy sentence yeah, back in those yeah, days. Yeah, and, and it's federal, federal prison too, so it wasn't like he was, you know, going to yeah. the state penitentiary. Well, although they sent him down to Atlanta, the Atlanta, the Atlanta, right. which later became famous for Joe Valachi being in Atlanta, and uh, that's where they tended to send the send the uh, mafia. Organized crime guys was the Atlanta Penitentiary. Yeah, and they also sent uh, Eugene Debs there, who was uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but Eugene Debs was a uh, uh, socialist who ran for um, president, and uh, he uh, was arrested for uh, uh, speaking out against the. the First World War, and he actually ran for the office of president while an inmate while in, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in Atlanta. And he uh, used to do that all the Lyndon LaRouche ran yeah, for president. Yeah. For well, yeah, and then, of course, the uh, Supreme Court overruled the um, Alien Sedition Act that says, you you know, you, you know that's yeah. where the uh, famous uh, quote is, is it okay to yell fire? Fire on crowd of theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, go ahead. So he uh, so he goes down. He gets sent down to Atlanta for bootlegging. <clears throat> now he befriends this guy down in Atlanta, Franklin Dodge, and uh, Dodge, what unknown to Remus, is an undercover prohibition agent. 
Yeah, he was a Dodge was from Michigan, and his uh, dad was a state legislature. And Dodge worked for the uh, Bureau of Investigations, which was the forerunner of the FBI. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was working on this big case, another famous case called the Savannah Four, which also dealt with bootlegging. And it was during this investigation he went undercover and went into the penitentiary there in uh, Atlanta. And uh, one of the guys he befriended was... Yeah, it was Remus. And, he, and that Remus. really was by accident. He wasn't after Remus. Right. He didn't really even care that much about Remus. What he did care about was when Remus told him about how much money he had. And, 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 and it's peculiar to me because... This Franklin Dodge, well, we'll find out about him. Mm-hmm. This Franklin Dodge is committed enough to go undercover and say, send me to prison. Mm-hmm. Put me in with the rapers, the man rapers, the father rapers, the right. mother stabbers, the whatever. Put me in there with them. I'll be all right. Right. Uh, but because we need to clean this place up. Yeah. So you think he's a good law-abiding? outstanding guy. Yeah. So what he finds out is Remus has still got all his damn money. Mm-hmm. And his wife has it all. Yeah, so Remus confides in him. Yeah, and his wife being a... Uh, his wife must have been one of the most charming women in the world. Um, she was a... Uh, and she was an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys didn't marry ugly women for the most part. Right. But... Um, so, Dodge gets out of prison, starts investigating Remus... Resigns from his job and starts an affair with Imogene. So he he finds that uh, Remus uh, confides in Dodge that his money his his wife Imogene's has, got all the money. She's got power of attorney. She's got power of attorney. He's hiding it everywhere. He right. confines it with Mister Dodge, and then Frank Dodge sees an opportunity for himself. Says goes to the Bureau of Investigation. Says, "Okay, here's my letter of resignation. Yeah. I'm moving to Cincinnati, and I'm going to woo yeah. Imogene. I'm a woo with Remus. Well, I be, and I believe what he did first. I. I, what I believe happened, and, and this is not, I don't think anybody's really clear on this because he did not resign until after he got to Cincinnati. Oh, okay. So he's up in, and, and he, he could have come to Cincinnati on the guise of investigating Remus. Mm-hmm. My personal theory on this is he started investigating Remus and fell in love with Imogene. Mm-hmm. Imogene. And, um, and the millions of dollars that she and the millions from. of dollars, yeah. But <laughs> but you know, one woman will make a man do stupid things. Yes, and it could have just been the woman. Um, yeah, so it could have been he legitimately fell in love with her. But it, obviously, this uh, he's got in. Also, he understands that she's got access to Remus's millions. Exactly. So be, yeah. So he's feeling pretty bulletproof at this time, and she falls in love with him. Um, so he resigns his job and stay uh, together. Mm-hmm. Now, Dodge liquidates all of his assets. Yeah, he talks her into yeah. selling the distillery, liquid, liquidating everything. But getting rid of everything and then, and then hiding the money. Just hide the money, we'll be fine. But they were, they were generous and they did give uh, Remus some of the money. What they give him like twenty thousand dollars? No, a hundred dollars. A hundred? Is that what they, they gave, gave him? One hundred dollars. Okay. What well, that was uh, kind of? Yeah. Because so. you're talking about probably at that time he still had about forty million. Bucks. Forty million dollars. Yeah. yeah. They gave him one hundred dollars, his share. Which yeah. Is, you know. Now Remus, being a reasonable man, <laughs> um, 
felt that this was not really fair. And, yeah. and so you stole my wife. You took my wife. You took my money. The only you sold my. You sold my business. And I, and I'll tell you, they don't mention it. They never mention it. But you know what? I'm betting what was probably the final straw. Of this is if Remus had a dog. Because, because you know what, you come into you come into the Colonel house. Yeah. You take my wife, I'm gonna be a little 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 perturbed. Well, but yeah, you know, Renee's a lovely lady. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? Saying. She comes with her own set of problems. So <laughs> I'm gonna say, you know what? Okay, you did. Now you got the woman. So you're saying that it, there's some addition by subtraction? Is that? Well, I'm saying she is a lovely woman, and the Colonel been lucky to she have her. She is a lovely here. woman. But however. Uh huh. You want to take my wife, you got your hands full. That's like me having, it's like me having the, a prize winning rattlesnake and you stealing it from me. Right. It's like, it good is. luck with that. You know, you could. Well, okay. I don't know about comparing lovely Renee to a rattlesnake, but. Oh, she bites you quicker than a rattlesnake. <laughs> she got a bad temper. She got a bad disposition. I don't think you better let her listen. So, to anyway, you take my money. Yeah. Okay, I'm not, that's going to make me mad too, but hell, what the hell? I made money before I make money again. Right. But you take my damn dog, yeah, you the colonel going to hunt you down right. and put some bullets in your ass. Yeah. You know, yeah. And probably not bullets because I probably garret you because that's what, you, that's what yeah. you deserve if you steal a man's dog. is a good garret. <laughs> uh, but anyway. So Remus so gets out. Remus gets out and he is madder than hell. Yeah, because I mean, out of forty million dollar business, homes, everything, he has a hundred dollars. Oh, he's madder than a tie hooker that just got a bad check. I mean, <laughs> he, that's how mad he is right now. I don't think they write checks to tie hookers, but <laughs> Jerry Springer did. Oh yeah, that's but, another. Uh, that's another. And and on top of this, on top of this, it's like they walk up to him, say we do all this, and then they kick him right square in the Remus sack by trying to get him deported. And even hiring a hitman to kill his ass. Yeah, so they try to get him deported because he remember he was born in Germany. Uh, that doesn't work, you know. Again, remember um, uh, Dodge. His father is a state legislator, so he's got some political connections. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the federal yeah. level, but he's got some connections. Some connections. So they're trying to get they try to get Remus deported to get rid of rid of the problem. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So then they they uh, they. Try to having killed, they offer someone fifteen thousand dollars. That falls through, that and that through. kind of becomes public. And um, uh, the the folks who are against prohibition, there's a big block of people, just like now, against you know that are pro legalization of marijuana. There was a there was a big group who wanted to end prohibition and one of them was Congressman LaGuardia from New York. Well, LaGuardia LaGuardia took it back. Yeah. And LaGuardia was it's, it's odd because he was a law and order guy. Right. But what he felt he he made Franklin Dodge really the face of public corruption. Right. What he said is this is what prohibition can do to public employees. Yeah. Because Dodge was uh, because a public employee. There's too much employee. damn money. There's too much money involved. Too much yeah. temptation. Um, so just make it legal again. You know, the bootlegging profits, they were corrupt in law. Everybody knew that law enforcement, you know, in Chicago. Right. Hell, every every place in the world, the police, because the police, nobody cared. Right. Nobody thought well, it was a, a bad crime. Exactly. And then... And, 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 even Remus himself. I mean, Remus was a pharmacist. He was he, that was a legitimate business. Mm-hmm. He was an attorney. That was a legitimate business. But he was seeing everyone getting rich off of bootlegging. Well, it's kind of like the like the uh, 
like the scene in The Godfather where the where the guy wants to come in and sell heroin. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get the Godfather to back him. Mm-hmm. And the Godfather says, uh, Marlon Brando says that, uh, you know, we we are involved in gambling, prostitution, things that are frowned upon by the Catholic Church, but that men want and really cause no harm. Mm-hmm. And you are asking about heroin, mm-hmm. which the men that uh, the judges that I have in my pocket and the police and everybody else are going to frown deeply upon mm-hmm. and are going to turn on me. Right. And that was the thing about bootlegging is the police, number one, they really didn't care. They right. didn't. They, they th- thought it was a silly thing. Yeah. You know, we could do a whole thing on how the fluke of how prohibition and the, the people are brought together, you know, mm-hmm. the Klan and the Anti-Temperance League and, you know, things sure. like that. Um, but nobody really cared about prohibition. Because so, it, was, it was a victimless crime. Yeah. So they, all this money's out there, and it's like, hey, if you're a policeman walking down the street, now if you're a policeman walking down the street and somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you $100 a week to turn your back, and, and I'm going to be, ra- you know, I'm going to be molesting little kids over here. Mm-hmm. of policemen are going to say, oh, hell no, you ain't. Exactly, exactly. But you who say, I'm going to give you $100 a week, just don't pay no attention to the beer truck coming. What the hell? The policemen don't care about the beer truck coming anyway. Yeah, especially as you get into uh, late 1920s and the 30s where you're in the Great Depression. Yeah, uh, things were tight. Yeah. And so, you know, these guys... They looked at it as a victimless crime. They didn't care. There was tons of money to be made. It was being passed out. Everybody involved was doing good. And again, again. LaGuardia says, you know, let's just be done with this. You know, let's legalize it. And, hell, let's collect the tax money ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys are making a lot of money. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Similar audience making that being made now for marijuana legalization and Lagordia, as you said, they he used this. Um, yeah, he took it to the, Frank he, Dodge. Yeah, he took it to Congress. Yeah, um, he, he made a speech in, on the floor of Congress yeah. about this, giving this example of how uh, this uh, victimless crime yeah, he is corrupting public officials. Yeah. He walked them all the way through the whole thing. Didn't do him any good, right. but he got himself on record. But um, yeah, and you know, so so now the distillery's gone. Uh, Remus has got himself a hundred dollars yeah, of his, his multi-million dollar empire, yeah. and Imogene decides to do the decent thing and divorce him. <laughs> so on his way to court, you know, Remus is, and I said Remus was, 
as I say, he was kind of the Michael Corleone. He did not like violence, but even right. Michael Corleone. Everyone has their limits. Uh, yeah, everyone has their limits, and some people got it coming. And to we do we, I mean, we uh, do not condone murder or domestic violence, but then in some cases, you can see what leads a man to do the things he does. Well, there's there's. As I say, you hear me say from time to time, bad things happen to people, and some people have it coming. Um, and Imogene had had. Uh, I saw a picture on the internet the other day, mm-hmm. and it was two German shepherds sitting side by side, mm-hmm. and one had had a sign hanging from his neck, and it said, "Do not let karma bite you in the ass." <laughs> and a German shepherd next to him had a sign hanging from its neck saying, I am karma. <laughs> so so well, karma, karma comes back. Karma comes back in the way of George Remus running into them on the way to the divorce. Yeah, she's and there. She's in a taxi going she's to in the a, courthouse. He's in a car. He's in, no, he's in a taxi. Oh, he's, I'm sorry. He's um, in a taxi. She's in a car. She's going. in a car with a daughter. And they... Uh, that we went to Eden Park. Yes. And Eden uh, Park, for those of you who don't know, is a nice little park here in Cincinnati. Beautiful place. Public park. Very beautiful. So Remus chases, has his cab driver chase her, forces her off the road. Remus jumps out. And, and, and why he's got a gun on the way to court, divorce court, maybe he was going to shoot her there anyway. May have been. Um, but she, he jumps out. Shoots her right in the stomach in front of the Springhouse Gazebo, if you know Forest Park, mm-hmm. in front of just tons and tons of people. I yeah, mean, it was the middle of the day, middle of the park. afternoon, right? In September, or yeah. I'm sorry, it's October, which is a beautiful place, mm-hmm. beautiful time, time of in the park. So he gets prosecuted for this. Now this is get this is where it gets really interesting and really funny. Now the prosecutor here is Charles Phelps Taft II. Now he's the son of uh, Chief Justice and a former president, and I believe the only president to be on the Supreme Court. Was yes, yes, Taft. he 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 was um, the president, and he served in the Supreme Court after his uh, term yeah. of office was over. And Taft, for all you don't know, Taft family very big in political. Oh, they're very Ohio, powerful here in, in Ohio, but especially Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, because. Uh, the prosecutor's future brother was going to be Senator Robert Taft. Yeah. So now he was, had just uh, lost Taft. The father just lost. of I'm sorry, was father of uh, Bob Taft, right? Right. Who was the uh, who was governor here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not too long ago. And although I will say Taft, by all accounts, is probably the worst governor that people can remember <laughs> that Ohio had. I mean, he, he was he was a Republican governor, and if you mention his name to Republicans, they just kind of just like cringe. Yeah, they cringe. And so, well, yeah, I, I, we can get. Yeah, I was the one that didn't vote for him, but uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. he was not a great governor. But anyway, now Taft has just lost his last big case against another bootlegger. So, and he was seen as a guy with a big, big political future. Right. Um, so he's If your last name is case. Taft and you're in Ohio, especially yeah, it, in Cincinnati, you it, got you're going to be, yeah, you got to got Taft a Law Firm here in Cincinnati is one of the... You yeah, know, it's one most, of the most powerful here yeah, in the city. Yeah, today, even today. So... So he he's lost his case. So now this trial, this is, you know... Not the OJ talk, but it's making national headlines. Right, right. Because Remus is claiming, and he defended himself on the murder show. Yeah, and Remus being an attorney. An attorney, and he was a, he was a remember this guy did murder cases up yeah. in Chicago. That's what he specialized in. Exactly. So Remus 
decides to plead temporary insanity and argue this case out in court. Now, you know, if you, if you follow legal cases, you know anything about it. And to me, you got a law degree, so you know this. The, uh, it's the a, insanity it's a, defense is a it's iffy at best. I mean, it's you a very, got, uh, it's a very not many people win it. No, not very many people win it. It's a very high bar. Yeah, and people that um, people that uh, try it. Typically, I'm not people to try, but you have people that you can see on the news are clearly insane, and they can't even win an insanity right. defense. Right. Now, Remus has made forty million dollars. His bootleg, he's done all this, done all that. He's already served two years in penitentiary. Served two right? years. Yeah. He's a smart, smart guy, but he pleads temporary insanity, and uh, that was just crazy. Just crazy saying, you know, that's the ins- the insanity part is him saying he was had temporary insanity. <laughs> right. It took the jury nineteen minutes to acquit him. Yeah, he won. He, he won. won. So um, he, he kills his wife. He kills his wife. Broad daylight. Yeah. Middle of Eden Park. Ch- not and hundreds and of witnesses. She. It wasn't a heat of the moment thing. He had his damn cab chase her and force her off yeah. the road. Jumps out, gets a gun. She starts to run, shoots her in the stomach with her daughter there. With the daughter there. Yeah. So, uh, so and, and one of the things that worked for him in this, uh, well, actually, not one of the things that worked for him. It wouldn't have matter what he said. It took him 19 minutes. He probably had five or six people that he paid off on the jury. Could be, but also he was—he was kind of a popular character, though. He was a popular character, and when when word got out, again, that's as I just said, you know, kind of jokingly, but some people got it coming. Yeah, and And people could have these people on the jury are thinking, you know, maybe they're thinking, you know. You got to come. I mean, you you, you don't yeah, steal I, a man's dog because oh, yeah. that's why I think there was a dog in. It only took well, one. Well, I mean, you're looking at. You're also thinking of morality of the 1930s, where you know uh, yeah. extramarital affairs were really frowned upon, and you know you had public extramarital. Everybody yeah. was having extramarital well, publicly, right. and then you liquidate the guy's stuff, and you give him a hundred dollars, yeah. and you do this, and you take the fact he was a popular guy around town. And then, you know, people could see it as a, I guess, crime of passion or whatever. Yeah, and he was, a, and unlike Al Capone, he was a very polished man. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, you know, Al Capone in Chicago was never going to be accepted by high society. Right. Remus was in Cincinnati. Yeah, he um, was, uh, he was he accepted was. here. And he, you know, when, when the story was laid out of, you know, okay, I went to prison for what I did. Then this guy, who's an investigator, takes all my stuff, sure. takes my wife, they liquidate it, and then they give me $100, yeah. you know? I mean, what the hell? And then they got my dog, and well, okay, I keep throwing the dog in, yeah. but, but anyway, so they commit him. Now, the state of Ohio says, okay, okay, Mr. S- Mr. Crazy. Yeah, Mr. You're, Crazy you're claiming you're insane. You're claiming you're insane. Now, the state of Ohio, when they, when they had this, they had three well-known prosecutors, psychiatrists come in, to testify to Remus, this is during the trial. Right. They bring three well-known psychiatrists in to testify to just tear apart and shred. The prosecutor did. The prosecutors did. Mm-hmm. Tear apart his in- in- insanity defense. They're right. saying there's no way this man is insane. He's lying. He's a, he's a, he's sober as a judge. He's a, a clear thinker. There ain't nothing wrong. What do you mean he's lying to you? Mm-hmm. But he gets the insanity acquittal. 
So now an insanity acquittal don't mean you're that you're off the hook. So right. now the state of Ohio says, oh, okay, well, okay, Mr. Batshit Crazy, here's what we're going to do to you. Because remember now, this was back in the day when they had, you know, before the, yeah, before the, the institutionalization, yeah. you, if you were insane, they put you in an insane asylum. So what they what they say to Remus is, well, hell, you are, you are a danger to society. We're going to have to lock your ass up in a mental thing. Right. So what Remus does is he gets these, uses the state's own case against him and says, well, hold the hell on now. You got the three most well-known guys in the in the country. Uh, you just said in the trial these are the four, three right. foremost experts in the country that just said I wasn't insane. So he argues, he uses, he the, uses the, the state's argument. He uses the state's argument that he is, in fact, sane after he was found not guilty of the murder due to temporary yeah. insanity. So uh, he turns around and uses the state's own witnesses yeah. against I mean, him. it's like, it's, it's kind of like the guy saying, well, yeah, you know, the old saying, yes, yes, I did kill my uh, parents, but... You should have mercy on me because I'm an orphan now, you know. <laughs> I mean, but, but he did it even. He did him one better. I mean, he brought the guys back in to say, "Did you or did you not say that I'm the sanest man yes. you've seen in a long time?" Read the testimony. Let's read, read the, the testimony. testimony. Yeah. yeah. So the state. So he just walks away from this whole thing. Yeah, he, he gets he walks off away of it. From it. Uh, and, he's, uh, he's found not guilty of murder, reason of insanity. He is. Uh, he gets out of being institutionalized because he uses the state's own yeah. witnesses to say that he's not insane. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy. It's really beautiful. This is a guy. This is a, if you if you if your back's up against a wall, and you did it. Yeah. This is the attorney you need. Yeah. Because yeah. he is just shameless. Yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah. But, he, but I mean, he's the guy was a sharp, sharp attorney. He was a sharp businessman. Um, now he he after his. Um. After the eight months is all. After all this is over, mm-hmm. um. He retires. He well, he tries to get back into bootlegging, but at this time, now at this time, while all this has gone on, Peter Schmidt, who was his partner, um, he opens up the Beverly Hills Supper Club. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the Cleveland Mafia who starts to move into. Uh, into Covington and um, Newport, they open up their own strip joints. They open up their own little gambling places. And Remus decides, you know what? He really doesn't want to. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the firepower. He doesn't. I mean, he's lost his wife. Yeah. He's lost his fortune. He's been. Yeah. He spent two years in prison. He went through a, a murder tr- murder trial. Yeah. At this point, he just want he just wants out of it. Yeah. Plus, he can see the writing on the wall that prohibition is going to be lifted. It's going to be lifted. Yeah. Um, so, uh, George, but he does. Mm-hmm. But he did have. Um, he did have some money that Imogene didn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, uh, man, man ain't fool enough to give every single thing to the world. Yeah, you have to. Um, do you have a little slush fund that Renee doesn't know about? I have a little slush fund that. Renee, unfortunately, Renee knows about it. The twins know about it. Logan knows about it. And uh, does the federal government know about it? The federal government knows about it, okay. and uh, NSA knows about everything I do. 
because um, the the NSA has the colonel on a watch list. Well, I'm sure uh, they're 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 fo- they follow your tweets. I'm sure they do. Yeah. They do. They, they uh, you know what happened the other day? Somebody accidentally did it, but the colonel posted something on Facebook, and, and the NSA accidentally liked it. Oh. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, they gotta, they gotta be, be careful. careful. They gotta, they gotta be, careful. be careful. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they. Uh, uh, where was we, Timmy? We, we were talking about Remus's career. Yeah, yeah. He, he still had a little bit of money. He didn't die a pauper. No, he um, he, he actually uh, lived modestly. The rest yeah, of his he life. lived modestly. He moved to Covington, Kentucky, which mm-hmm. is, is uh, like Newport, is just across the river from Cincinnati. And um, he lived there for another twenty years uh, in his life with you know lived modestly without any incidents. He died in his home in Covington in 1952 at the age of 77 of natural causes. He is now married nearby in Falmouth, Kentucky. Uh, so that's the story. Uh, but there was never a right. What's interesting about him is this guy, you know, if he, he's unique in a way, and this is why, why they found him so interesting. Um, um, Fitzgerald found him so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, anybody that, had, that follows literature, listens to literature, will tell you that he really was the inspiration for Gatsby and The yeah. Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. And The Great Gatsby um, is actually one of my favorite books. Now, if you haven't read that book, I would recommend it highly. You need to rec- read it. Or you can see the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, no. <laughs> now, the movie of Robert Redford's a little little closer to the book. But, <laughs> um, but if you... Um, no, I'm just kidding. I never saw that movie. It's, it's, the, but the book is—it's an American it, classic. It, it, it truly is, is and, yeah. and it, and it kind of tells about that time. And and you know, it's that's where it's got the quote: "Rich people are different than you and me." Yeah. Um, and but it's a it's a really good book. And and what's what's interesting about this guy is that if you look at all the bootleggers, all the gangsters, all the guys from across the country, um, you know, and, and and it's amazing how many in America today. How many powerful people their fortunes were made from bootlegging, and who you know supported and backed prohibition? I yeah. mean that that right. to them was a godsend. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was like you know this was this is perfect. You know the Ken- I mean everybody knows Joe Kennedy right. made his fortune bootlegging. Mm-hmm. I mean that's where then he created a political made. dynasty. Right. Um, but what was interesting about Remus that differentiated him from all the other ones was. He was a very polished man. Um, he was he avoided avoided violence. Now he did have Peter Schmidt, but he avoided violence at every turn. And he was never put in a position to really have to use violence, other than to protect his trucks from hijackers. That's really right. you know the only time. But he didn't have the Al Capone, Bugs Moran. Yeah, he didn't have, he the, didn't have the five wars, family wars. Yeah. He didn't have bodies in the street, and that's right. again why he nobody cared. He was just looking to, for his little his little slice of the pie, and he found it here in Cincinnati, and you know made his fortune in it. Yeah, and by looking for his little slice of pie, he got the whole damn pie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like I said, he was he was doing well in Chicago. I mean, he was doing well as an yeah. attorney. He was making fifty grand a year, which was a bundle back in the twenties. Right, but, but that's uh, but that's what's most interesting, you know, to most people. What you could do, you could do all kinds of. Uh, Podcasts on bootleggers, mm-hmm. um, and they would all follow apart. a script. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, they started with the little gang, mm-hmm. they moved their way up, then they there was a leader. You know, it's kind of the Lucky Luciano story. Mm-hmm. There was a couple leaders. He has them knocked off. He takes over. 
he's in power for a long time until the police get him and then somebody else comes into power. But Remus was a, he was an entity all of his own mm-hmm. and he, there's no script for really what he did. He and was not out shooting people. He, he didn't have competition to kill. And he and he, he was in a unique position because he, he had his background as a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he could easily get the uh, the the, uh, the license and the waivers that he yeah. needed for the bootleg. He had to, he had the background as a defense attorney, yeah. so he knew the law. Yeah. So he was in a, an ideal position to take advantage of of bootlegging, and he did. It made him one of Cincinnati's and one of the country's more interesting characters. And it was interesting because he did, he didn't because he knew all these things. He did, he did not have to share things with. Other people, he did not have to. Uh, you know, you get Al Capone. He's got to talk to a lawyer. He's got to talk to this guy. He's got to talk to that guy. Right. Remus knew all this stuff. He yeah. didn't have to talk to he people. He was able to it. set, set up which is interesting. Why he decided to confide in Dodge in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, which was really his downfall. Yeah, and, and and like you said, with Capone and 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 organized, they were they were bringing the booze from uh, you know imported from Canada. Yeah, they, they were getting it from anywhere. But he just said, "Hey, I've got to. I'm making myself. I'm making myself, and mm-hmm. I'll buy. I'll start my own distillery. Yeah. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about you know all this bootleg running. I'll just uh, make it myself. So, yeah. George Remus, an interesting guy. Frank Dodge, by the way, um, he ended up uh, um, going back to Michigan, where he was from, and he worked for the uh, Michigan. Interesting enough, the Michigan Commission of Alcohol Control after Prohibition was over." Uh, where he died in uh, 1968. Now, him and Emma Jean, did they, they did not stay together. I don't know if she died. So. She died, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Uh, Never mind. He, it, he, but what I meant to say was he did not re- get remarried after no, Emma Jean. No, uh, he did. He actually oh, got, really? yeah, he got remarried. Never did have any kids. He got remarried after. He never married Emma Jean. Um, yeah. He did get married uh, in Michigan, and uh, he died. They they didn't. They never had any, him and his wife never had any kids. And like I said, he died in 1968. So he lived a pretty long time because yeah. uh, this occurred. All this occurred in the 20s. So that's it. That's all for George Remus, uh, King of the Bootleggers. So Colonel, how's the campaign going? You know the campaign. The campaign going pretty good now. I'm I'm getting a little disturbed because all you keep hearing again is Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders. Now Hillary's supposed to start. Hillary started her campaign. Um, uh, I think she announced today. She announced we released this, but and uh, and and again the colonel running for president. So you're going to have to put a, up a, with a little bit of politics. Now my my uh, only. Uh, uh, what I'm really happy is we ain't got Elizabeth Warren out there, and I and I don't know if you saw the news, Timmy, but they had uh, oh Jamie uh, Diamond, what's his name, Jamie Diamond from he was going to explain banking to Elizabeth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I that. thought you know, and, and the Colonel, what one of the things I'm going to do when I'm put in office, the statute of limitations for that kind of fraud is going to go back thirty years. For um, for Wall Street, because Wall Street. I'm sitting here listening to this guy who says, well, we really need, Mr. Senator Warren does not really understand banking. Well, the problem is Senator Warren does understand banking, and she knows you son of a bitches committed <laughs> the biggest fraud in the country, and you're walking around giving speeches when your ass should be in jail somewhere. Yeah. So the colonel. You're going after Wall Street. Oh, I will go after them like a pit bull. 
Yeah. Because the way, you know, it, it's... They're not going to like you, Colonel. You're going to make some enemies there on, uh, on Wall Street. Oh, the Colonel got enemies. The Colonel <laughs> got enemies. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, but tell me now, think about it. Mm-hmm. You think I'm worried about Wall Street? I walk down Finley Street every day. Oh, yeah. Me? Wall Street's not there. Wall Street ain't nothing compared to Finley Street. Yeah, I walk true. down that Finley Street, true. and then I come up Elm Street. Now, if they ain't going to get me on Finley Street or Elm Street, Wall Street ain't going to get me. If you're not familiar with Cincinnati, Finley Street is in a rough, kind of rough area of town. So, um, so we uh, we we doing pretty good. I, I saw, I did see, uh, and you know what, Scott, Scott Walker, mm-hmm. some bitch came to ride a motorcycle. They took pictures of him on sitting on one. So was, was he riding it? Did he ride it? No, he was interviewed sitting on one. Yeah. I ain't nobody it was got a hard, picture of him hard to interview him as he was riding. Ain't nobody got a picture of Scott Walker riding one. Now the colonel can ride a motorcycle. Yeah. The colonel, hell, the colonel couldn't ride a unicycle. <laughs> that would be good. You would. That, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. They would have to have one of those boom microphones to interview. Yeah, to interview that. me, yeah. but. Uh, but I, you know, I ain't got to get on no damn motorcycle to prove that yeah. I got testosterone or that I'm man enough for something. How well, I that. heard that they they both parties wanted to do away with the Iowa straw poll because they knew that you were going to win it and they didn't want to be embarrassed. And you know, what I told them, I told them I will, I don't even want to be in your damn straw poll. I said I don't give a rat's ass. You get you get thirty five people or something to vote say who. I don't give a rat's ass what you're going to do out here in the straw poll. The colonel got bigger issues to deal with. You don't I don't even like straw. That. I don't even like straw. What am I? I look like a damn donkey. It's a straw poll. What the hell is that even? So is Elizabeth Warren going to run? No, Mrs. Warren. Uh, she a lovely senator. She a lovely woman. You she know, a I, great senator. But she no, she's not going to run because uh, we we've had some lengthy conversations. And she thinks you're representing her. She thinks I represent uh, the anti Wall Street. And, and you know, people don't be fooled. Don't be fooled out there, Elizabeth Warren is not a communist. Elizabeth Warren, again, is a populist who is smart. She's one of the few people, you know, and and that's what's interesting about the Bernie Sanders, the Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warrens. They come from these states where now Elizabeth Sanders did, or Elizabeth Warren did spend a good amount of money to win, but they come from these states where you don't need Tons and tons and tons of money. And, you know, I, I, I take my shots at Bernie Sanders because the man's crazy. I mean, you listen to him. The man is crazy. I kind of like Bernie myself. Oh, I, I love Bernie. Mm-hmm. But he's crazy as hell. But he, you know why he can be crazy, Timmy? He's from Vermont. He's from Vermont. And everybody in Vermont crazy. And you know what? They like crazy people up there. Yeah, they, they like socialists people that, up there. You know why? Because Bernie Sanders... They're really Canada. Let's face it. They're really Canada. Oh, they're right next to Canada. Right. They're really part of uh, But Bernie Sanders gets out there and he'll, he'll say, you know what? He'll say the craziest thing. And people in Vermont will be like, oh, that's just Bernie. And people, you know, Vermont ain't one that is going to, you know... And I go back to Huey Long. There's always there's that famous quote that Huey Long said, you know, Standard Oil come down here to run Louisiana, I'll kick their ass. <laughs> yeah. and, we need to do a podcast on Huey Long. Yeah, and, and he, he he literally said that. He, he, they come down here run try to run Louisiana, I will whip their ass. And he did. Yeah. And v- Bernie Sanders says, you know what? Wall Street come to Canada, come to Vermont, try to run Vermont. I will whip their ass. And Vermont people just sit back in their rocking chairs because Vermont people got serious shit to worry about. They got bears up there. They do have bears, but you know, if you notice, uh, most of the 
northeast. Most, if you don't notice, most of the states that border Canada mm-hmm. are blue states. Yeah, because they live right across the border where you have uh, uh, socialized medicine, where you have a more prog- more progressive policy. Well, and you know, there's people from Vermont, people from Vermont, you know, and, and this is what kind of you get. There's kind of an unfairness, you know, labeled thrown labeled at these people, because people from Vermont, people from Maine, people to a certain degree from Massachusetts, um, they're they're fierce. They're very liberal people, mm-hmm. but they're very very fiercely independent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and New they, Hampshire, they feel like you know what, you go about your business, I'm gonna go about mine. And if you say, you know, Bob and Bob and Steve over there want to get married, what the hell am I to me? I don't right. give a rat's ass, exactly. you know. Because again, we got bears up here. <laughs> we got bears. We got shit to worry about. And uh, it's cold. It's cold. We got bears. I gotta make sure my snowmobile working. Yeah. I mean, I got serious yeah. things. And, and it's, you it's gotta go out and get the, the you gotta go out and get the sap from the trees. I mean, we got stuff to do. And then, and then, and then, and this is one of the reasons I kind of love Bernie. Is you know they the, when they introduced some gun legislation one time, um, Bernie voted against it. Mm-hmm. Now Bernie's supposed to be a socialist, a communist, mm-hmm. uh, you know whatever. So a, a huge, terrible liberal. So he's going to vote against. He's going to he's going to want to he's going to want to take away your guns, right? Mm-hmm. And Bernie said, "Well, you know, I, I I would like to see some gun control, but the people in my state don't because we got bears." <laughs> Damn bears. Damn bears. And, uh, now they've got escape convicts. And they got escape convicts. Yeah. We got bears. We got. So, you know what? While what my personal opinion is one thing, but I represent the people in my state. Right. And do what they want. And let's do what they want. And, and that really, when you, when, at, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Libertarian, whatever you are. You look at the person and say, "Is that person representing my views?" Right, and that's really what the colonel's going to do. I'm going to get out there and I'm saying, "Man of the people." What is it? And that's what we need, Timmy—a mm-hmm. man of the people. And you know, I really think Elizabeth Warren, though, I, I think she's missing her chance, and I, I think she's doing the, the the old Mario Cuomo dance, where you know, remember Mario Cuomo yep. was always the considered always the front right, runner, the front always, run, yeah. but he would never throw his hat into the ring. Yeah. and I think she's getting a, she's running a risk by, uh, you know, I don't know if she's waiting or she's just really not interested, but. I, I think I, her window is going to close if she's not too careful. No, I, I, no, I believe I don't believe Elizabeth Warren wants to be president. I, and that might be it. I believe what she wants. I, I believe the the woman, you know, and, and me and me and Elizabeth have had lunch a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman did is, you pick up the tab? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, and and I'll tell you why, Timmy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why because does she eat a lot? Huh? Does she eat a lot? No, she's like she's like a bird. Oh, you know? like a so salad she eats a salad. She give me give me water with lemon in it. Oh, you okay. know, yeah. so she's she's very easy to you know. You pick up the now you go out with uh with uh Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eats like a horse. Oh, and 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 my other name like is Ted Cruz. Um, Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted Cruz. You don't have to pick away. up the check with that fat son of a bitch. <laughs> 
I mean, he got a order. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like you think everything done. Uh-huh. The lady come around, Ted Cruz like, could I see the dessert cart? <laughs> I was like, no, don't bring the dessert. No, she, give him a menu because some bitch will eat the whole cart. He'll eat everything on the cart. And you're picking up the tab. Yeah, and I'm picking up the tab for this yeah. because I'm, you know, as you know. Because you like Canadians. I like Canadians, and I'm and I'm I am uh, I'm funding my campaign myself. Right, right. I'm not beholden to any corporations. You're not, uh, so you're not taking any donations from the Koch brothers. Uh, the Koch brothers? No, actually, the Koch brothers came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I told you that story. They had a man mm-hmm. wanted to talk to me. Had a suitcase, had a bunch of cash in it, and I told him. I said, you know, the colonel, the colonel got a CCW, mm-hmm. uh, which is my concealed carry. Mm-hmm. Um, don't. You see, you 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 put my life in danger here. Mm-hmm. So don't make me poor. So you you don't want any, you, you're taking nothing from Robert, or Rupert Murdoch or nobody. No, I won't. I, you know what I do to Rupert Murdoch? I what? Well, never mind. I better not say that on there. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm but I but but here's what I believe about Elizabeth Warren. Too. Yes, they haven't haven't had a few conversations. The woman's obsessed. She's mm-hmm. obsessed, and what she's obsessed with. Is the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, Wall Street screwing everybody. Mm-hmm. Wall Street is a it is a drain on the middle class and the upper middle classes wealth. That's what they are built to do is drain the wealth from the country into hedge fund managers' pockets. And she's obsessed with that. And mm-hmm. she wants to change it. She's obsessed with the uh with the school loans, she's mm-hmm. obsessed. So she really is a. She's having an impact. She's having an impact, and what Elizabeth now? I, is, I heard a rumor that you kind of had an impact on the trade agreement being uh, being defeated. Well, you know, I went to, and, and you know, I don't like. You know, I don't like Mitch McConnell, right? And because, and the reason I don't like Mitch McConnell is, Mitch McConnell looks like the guy. And, and the colonel being a little bit shallow here. I'm sorry, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell looked like the guy who kind of chuckled. He, he looked like the guy that wanted to short, shut the orphanage down all the time. Kind of looks like the uh, Frisch's big boy. If he would put on about 50 pounds. Right. Yeah, Ted Cruz would need to lose 50 pounds to be the Frisch's big boy. But uh, Mitch McConnell looked like the guy who grinned and chuckled. If you've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Mitch McConnell, the guy who the banker is, who found the money, oh, you know, yeah. wants to put Mr. Potter. Yeah, Mr. Potter. He's, yeah. he's Mr. Potter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had an impact on that because I, I just got I got Boehner. Um, mm-hmm. I got the Democrats together. I got uh, President Obama. I don't know what the hell he thinking. What about uh, your good friend Rand Paul? You know, and, and I'm going to go back to this again. I, I think you don't like his hair. What, and that's what I told him. I was like, "Come on, man!" But he—I mean, he—he—he he, he was he, you know, he—he he had an impact on the Patriot Act. Rand Paul doing some good things up yeah. there, but the problem with Rand Paul is he a hypocrite and he lazy. Well, okay. I but mean, that, isn't that about every politician though? Not the colonel. Well, except for of the course, present company. No, I got. No, I got. Uh, you know, and, and granted, I got. Scott running with me. And Scott is a fine, upstanding young man. Yeah, but he's a Polak to me. Well, he I can't mean, help it. His, he can't help the fact that he's from Polish descent, but he's very popular, and he'll bring in a lot of that uh, votes from Illinois. You'll need Illinois. 
What? What? No, I got the twins up there to take care of. Well, you do. You do have your twins. Taylor done gone through half the girls, the voting age women. (laughs) But that's Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago can be in your back pocket anyway. It was. uh, I'm trying to get Scott to change his name to... uh, to something more Native American-ish. Yeah, so uh, like... But he's, he's fight me on it. He's, like, he like what, what example would that be? Like Scott Big Eagle or something? Yeah, the big, like, the Scott Little Hawk. Yeah. You know, Little Hawk. <laughs> I see. So it would be Big Hawk and Little Hawk. That'd be Big Hawk and Little Hawk. I got gotcha. you. you know, Scott is, Scott, Scott is own man. You know, and that's why I picked him. He's his own man. He so is. He's I a, can't, uh, and uh, he's he's anxious for you to join us for a podcast. So, well, I can't wait to do it. I can't. But it's hard to get us together because we're out fighting battles all the time. I know you guys. You can't, well, you don't want the two of you together because what if something would happen? There would be a. Well, if they had the two of us in one place, you know what would happen. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you got the CIA, ISIS. Yeah, um, the Masons, the Illuminati, yeah, all those people yeah, after us. Yeah, all so those. you can't be. In, it's sort of like the president when he gives his State of the Union speech. You guys, you and the vice president, you can't be in the same place at the same time. No, we're not. We're yeah. not. Um, You're not going to be taking any parades and open and open air cars and uh, going down uh, Dallas together. Well, now see, now I think Scott be okay with that because he again. Scott, and, and you know I love the people of Polish descent. Yeah, I know you do. But you they do. do have hard heads. Well, they're they're stubborn, but they're in a good way. Stubborn in a good way, but I believe you know you 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 take a shot at Scott, they're liable to just bounce off his head and hit me. You know that's what that's what <laughs> I don't doing. think that's true at all. Um, he's a but he's a he's, he's a good man. He um, is a good man, but he's gonna be yeah. He does a good job on his podcast. He puts a lot of work in, it and we really appreciate that. So, Colonel, you want to give a shout out to my mom because she'll be expecting. You know, her. I do not do a show without uh-huh. doing a uh-huh. shout out to Scott she, to to uh, Mrs. Scott, I know. the lovely Dottie. Um, and, she and she's a she's a faithful listener, and we one of our few listeners. We, well, she, now we we got plenty of listeners here. We get we get enough. It surprises me that people actually, you know, we, we look at our a lot, down, of, a lot of Canadians. We look at our downloads, and I sometimes think, what the hell? I mean, what? <laughs> I think I have something better to do. Something better to do. But you know what? We appreciate everyone. Listening. Even Renee, my wife, will will listen to these and say. And this is what we really hope for. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, and we're going long on this one, I guess, but at the end of the day, what we really hope for is that it was it was an hour that you were half entertained mm-hmm. and and learned something. Learned exactly. something you didn't know because Entertainment. Nobody, nobody, hits, nobody hits something that says the history dweebs without wanting to learn something. And... Uh, and we try to cover stories that you don't see everywhere else. Yeah. So, and, you know, so you go to what you do is if you like what we're doing, you go to Facebook, look us up, um, leave us a review. Um, a comment. Uh, comment. iTunes. Go to iTunes, more importantly, um, yeah. and look at us. Leave a review there. Um, you can download every podcast we've ever done. And I'll tell you some of the finest work we've done, I believe, was the Jonas Salk story. You might want to listen <laughs> to that. God. Um, but anyway... Go to iTunes. You can go to History Dweeb. 
dot com. Or you can leave us an email through uh, Facebook, or you Facebook. can send one directly to me, Tim T. Scott yeah. at yahoo.com. We will respond to every mail. We'll give you a shout out on the air. We don't do this for money. We do it for fun, but we, you know, we, we like to have some feedback from folks. So send and for us the an love email. of God, somebody, you know, the, the Colonel don't, you know, Timmy, I ain't, I got no ego. No, no, you, you're, you, I'm a you, man. you are the most modest man that I know. For the love of God, so Christ-like, actually. Yeah, but I don't like the sandals. Oh, I don't like well, the sandals. Well, yeah. um, but anyway, um, somebody for the love of God, say something nice about Brittany or even the brown-haired devil. Throw her a bone, even though she's a wolf. You even know, though she's home smoking weed and playing you know, video Playing games. video games, yeah. yeah. Um, because when people comment, they pretty much comment on, hey, you know, Timmy, you very smart, and a colonel, he handsome and funny. Um, and they never mention the, the girls. Yeah. They never mention the girls. And that's, you know, primarily because they're girls. And, and mean, primarily because they don't really add a whole lot to the show. Not but, a lot. But, no, but we, I mean, you know, it's like you're retarded because then you want to say something It, nice. it, is, it is. Well, I don't know that I would use the word retarded. <laughs> that's that's well, gonna, okay. Developing the delayed cousin. Yeah, please say something yeah, nice Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, say something nice about it's like you. It's like you. Uh, it, yeah, it's like you. Like your slow learner little brother. Yeah. You know, he don't, him on the head. He don't learn how to ride the bike till he's 14 years old. Right. And then it's into a wall, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so say something nice about the girls. Yeah. Um, Brittany, she she got. Brittany, She's looking for a husband, Brittany is. Brittany is looking. And you know what? That's going to be our next show. One of these days, we're going to have a contest. Um. Find Brittany a husband. Yeah. Now, Brittany is a very uh, attractive young lady. Brittany a beautiful young lady. Beautiful young lady. She ain't all together upstairs now. Well, but you know how many beautiful young women are? Well, the colonel got the, the, I give you the triangle theory, right, Timmy? No, why don't you explain it to me again? I'm going to explain the triangle theory to you men out there who might be dealing with women. Now, you take yourself a piece of paper and you draw yourself a triangle. And in one corner, one spot on that triangle, you put emotionally stable. And on another part of that triangle, you put hot. And on the other third, the remaining one, you put smart. Now, when you're looking for a woman, you take those three attributes and you pick two of them. Because you ain't never going to find a woman that got all three. It's like finding a unicorn. It's like finding a purple unicorn, Timmy. <laughs> um, and, a striped and purple unicorn. A striped purple unicorn, and I had to explain this to my boys. Uh-huh. You got emotionally stable, hot, and smart. Pick two of them, because yeah. you ain't going to pick three. You know you what? I, I, can do away, I can do without emotionally stable. I can. Well, most of the time, I could do away with emotionally stable. Um, they're, now, they're fun for a while. Uh, yeah. Now, the colonel, I, the colonel was lucky enough to find one who scored... A two and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I ain't gonna give you the half part, um, but it is on the emotionally stable section. But she's very um, smart and very beautiful. She's, she's very smart, very pretty, uh, very uh, emotionally volatile. Renee. We went to uh, we went to the. I got to tell you this: we went to see the Florence Freedom last night. Uh, minor league baseball team. And minor Florence league baseball team, and the mascot walked around with a with a bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. And was looking for the loveliest woman in the stadium. Mm-hmm. 
and gave them to my wife. Ah, well, it was well deserved because I'm sure she was the loveliest lady there. And gave uh, Darth Vader gave my wife a big hug. It was Star Darth Vader was, like, was there. Yeah, Darth Vader was there. I never know he was a big baseball fan. Well, apparently, uh, Darth Vader he can he can hit a fastball. Oh, really? He can hit a fastball. Yeah. Of that. Yeah, so and but he does that cheating thing, you know, when he pitching, mm-hmm. he does that like <laughs> squeezes his hand, uh, and then the batter all frozen up, and he just blows one by. <laughs> but uh, okay, we're digressing. So yeah, we are. Not. We might have to split this into two sections. <laughs> all right, thanks, here. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time on History Dreams. Goodbye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.